This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, immigration is a huge issue, not just in Ireland, where it is the cause of some trouble, but in England, it is a cause of major trouble. They have consistently sought to keep immigration to a minimum. But in fact, last year, 750,000 people came to Britain, many of them in boats, but most of them by other routes. And The immigration question has dogged British politics for a very, very long time. Back in the 1960s, early 1960s, Enoch Powell emerged as a notorious judge of what Britain should do. He was deemed to be a racist for remarks he made. He was a cabinet minister at the time, a rather shadow cabinet minister who was bound for the top in politics, many people thought, and he made a speech which was notorious for talking about the streets being rivers of blood if immigration was allowed to continue at the rate it was in those days. It's far higher now. There's no blood on the streets, but there's a lot of blood in Westminster and it's all on the floor and it's Tory blood. And to discuss this matter, we're joined now by Chris Johns, former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland, now a respected commentator, and Chris is in London. Chris, Rishi Sunak uh, is giving evidence to the COVID tribunal today, but tomorrow the bill faces its second reading, the Rwanda bill. It's an attempt by Sunak to split the difference between hardliners in his party and those of a more liberal disposition. It's incredible to think that the best minds in Britain, or even in the Tory party, came up with this idea that people would be sent to Rwanda if they didn't qualify for citizenship in Britain and came in through the small boat method. Nobody has gone to Rwanda yet, apart from British ministers. But Rishi Sunak is now in deep trouble, isn't he? Yes, and something has gone to Rwanda, apart from British ministers. £290 million has, has actually been sent to Paul Kagame, the leader of Rwanda, and they are probably going to get some more money before any people, if any of these poor people are sent to to Rwanda. Um, Sunak is in a lot of trouble, and 
Uh, I was actually speaking last week. I'm not going to name drop, but I was speaking to a friend of Sunak's last week, somebody who knows him well yes. and uh, is an admirer and likes him as a human being, as a man. And this friend of Sunak's was telling me that he cannot understand how bad a politician Sunak actually is. Yes, we I, felt like, I felt like explaining it to him because the man, <laughs> the man is an empty suit. He's, the, he's, he's, he's been described as the classic head boy, the one who you know does very well in school, but always bends with the wind, never takes a stand on anything, and tries to please everybody. In in that regard, he's a bit like Boris Johnson, who who also fell partly because he he ended up um, pleasing nobody. Uh, the, the Rwanda bill is an example of of Sunak um, really not being a good politician. Yes, in the sense that he chooses the wrong target. As I say, he tries to please everybody and ends up please, pleasing nobody, and fails to take the right decision, the right political decision. When he took over as prime minister, he should have distanced himself from the Johnson Truss era in a much bigger way than he eventually did. Um, he had a chance when Suella Braverman went to distance himself politically from the Stop the Boats campaign. Yes, she the was sense. the Home Secretary in charge of immigration at the time she uh, was sacked, actually. Yeah. So th th this very strange, weak politician is now trying to push through a bill that uh, there's a wonderful article in the London Times this morning by um, a commentator called Philip Collins. Now, this is a Murdoch newspaper, don't forget. So, yes. you, you know, when you see this headline, you know that Sunak is in trouble. And the headline is, this wretched Rwanda plan will sink Sunak. And Collins explains that it fails the three basic political tests of of any policy um, it, first of all, it guarantees chaos rather than stability. And do remember that Sunak came into power with this promise that I am going to restore sanity yes. and stability to British politics. And he's done exactly the opposite. The second test it fails is, is one of sheer practicalities. It won't work. Um, and the third one is, is the point of principle is that it is, as I think you and I would both agree, Eamon, dreadful in principle. And, and, and so it goes. This, this is a bill that has been described by a member of, a Tory member of the House of Lords as a bill that is trying to say that it, it, it's a matter of law that cats are dogs. Yes. And the, the minister who resigned the, on Friday, actually, Robert Jenrick, is a close political ally of uh, Rishi Sunak's, and he was the, the new Minister for Immigration. He resigned because he didn't think the bill went far enough. There are many others in the party, the, the old centrists and moderates in the Tory party, who thinks it's, it's a disgraceful bill in itself. The idea that someone uh, had come to Britain seeking help and they were then sent to Rwanda which is not exactly a haven of human rights as we understand it. So the, the, the Tory party is split into, what, is it two or three? Uh, and this is really all about populism, isn't it? Because immigration is an issue that was thought to appeal to people who had never voted Tory before, voted Tory when Johnson was the prime minister, and they're known as the red wall seats, those seats. They were traditionally labor seats. Immigration is a sop to them, is it? 
In a way, but as you say, it's also got a lot of historical precedent in the UK. It's also, as you know, a very live issue in many countries, not least your own. Yes, it is, yes. uh, Immigration is something that a lot of countries, the United States, Germany, France, Ireland, everybody is struggling with, partly because the state of the world is generating so much migration. Yes. In the UK, of course, Brexit was supposed to be uh, so to do lots of things, all of which it's failed to do. But one of the key objectives of Brexit was supposed to take back control of our borders. That was the slogan, wasn't it? Take back control. Take back control. With, uh, and the, the subtext or the, the, the subheading of that slogan was take control of our borders because everybody wanted, apparently, migration to stop um, and to be more controlled. As a result of the Brexit decision and a whole host of other factors, Migration, immigration into the UK has gone through the roof. Of course, this time it's not from the EU because people aren't allowed to come here from the EU. The one area of the world that Britain has always had control of and still does is the non-EU immigration. And because we need so many low-paid workers, principally in our health service, but it's also the case that this has less publicity than perhaps it should, the universities in this country are so strapped for cash, they are sucking in tens if not hundreds of thousands of foreign students to pay very high fees. And both foreign workers in our care homes and university students in our strapped cash-strapped universities, until very recently, were allowed to bring in their families. Now, they're trying to shut the door on this. Now, the problem with this policy, there are many, many problems with this policy, but it's it's typical of this government and its lack of competence and its lack of ability to think things through, is that they'll say they want one thing. So, let's say it's lower immigration. They won't think through the consequences of what it means to actually have lower immigration to have less care workers in our care homes means that the care home crisis gets worse yes. unless you start paying people more money to go and work in our care homes and therefore attract more perhaps domestic workers into the care home system. Of course, we don't like that because one of the things that we don't want in the UK is higher wages for anybody, let alone um, care workers. And, and where these workers are supposed to come from at a time of full employment, nobody is quite sure. So it's this failure to think things through and the consequences of your decisions um, that that is so symptomatic of, of everything that these people are doing. All that the, the latest curbs on immigration and the way they're doing this is that they're saying that you've got to earn £38,500 in order to be able to come in now. That's the latest wheeze. Um, you don't get that working in, in a basic job in a care home. So right. the care home crisis is going to get an awful lot worse. And it's an open question as to whether Sunak will get his bill through. Because as you say, the Tory party is split on, on this issue. The modern Tory party is united by one issue and one issue alone, and that's Brexit. Um, since Boris Johnson's purge of the parliamentary party, everybody in parliament now on, on the Tory side is is, is pro-Brexit. There are no mar- very few Remainers left in the yes. Tory party. And if they are Remainers, they don't admit to it. Yes. Um, so th- th- what this reveals is that the only thing that unites the parliamentary party in, in Westminster is Brexit. Everything else, is they are divided over. They are an unruly ungovernable mess of a, of, a, of a party. And the only thing that this country wants now, for, uh, and this is what all of the opinion polls actually say, um, and there was a wonderful article in the British Sunday Times about this yesterday saying, 
you know, this this 20-plus point lead that Keir Starmer, plus all the questions that people answer in these opinion polls, people just want them out. Yes. Just, just want them gone. You mentioned Robert Jenrick, which is a really interesting story. Uh, story i think he um he used to be believe it or not described as a moderate and yes. he he doesn't care that much about immigration which he has described as a crisis facing the whole of the uk it, it's extraordinary i don't know anybody and I'm, maybe i'm just not representative of the average uk citizen these days but i don't know anybody that is exercised by the small boats everybody knows that we're taking seven or eight hundred thousand immigrants a year and it looks like only about twenty to 30,000 of those this year are going to come in the small boats. The immigration issue, to the extent that it is an issue, is, is not about the small boats. It's about, you know, as I say, how are we going to staff all of these jobs, particularly in the NHS, that these people are filling? They're not coming here to come go on the dole. They're coming here to work in the NHS. So it's, it's just, it, it's just so bizarre. They lurch from one ludicrous, ill thought out policy to another, and the mood of the British people is now, let, let's just get these people out. Yes, and there is an idea around that after what's expected to be a heavy defeat in next year's a general election, which they're obliged to hold before January 2025, and will probably happen during the year next year, this, for many people, Suella Braverman being a good example, and I think Robert Jenrick also, what they're doing by having nothing to do with anything Sunak proposes. Suella Babman, for example, thinks it doesn't go far enough. She's a woman of color herself. She's the daughter of immigrants. Pretty Patel is an immigrant from an immigrant family as well. Robert Jenrick isn't. Now, Jenrick says he will not vote for the present bill. Suella Braverman was sacked for her language and her overt discriminatory behavior. One thing she said, Chris, which it's it would be unthinkable for a politician in this country to say, she said, I dream of seeing a jumbo jet leaving Heathrow Airport packed full of people who tried to come into this country heading for Rwanda. Now, Rwanda is not the most democratic place in the world anyway, but they, they're paying Rwanda to take these people. And this was really rather strange that Braverman in particular was playing what is effectively the race card. Yeah, look, there's a professor of law at Cambridge University, so a chap that knows presumably what he's talking about. And he talks about this, this bill as an attempt, and I'm quoting here, to reverse by law a finding of fact by the Supreme Court. Yes. And one of the facts that the Supreme Court alighted on was that Rwanda could well not be a safe place for the reasons that you mentioned, because yes. they have a history of not respecting human rights. They um, so Part of their history is that some of their previous immigrants from other jurisdictions in the world, I think it might have been Israel of all places actually, ended up in Uganda, so they didn't yes. end up in Rwanda. They're, all these sorts of things have happened. And so they're, they're trying to, you know, reverse a decision of, on, on, wasn't an opinion, it was a finding of fact by the Supreme Court. That's why this bill is destined to fail, either in the Commons or the Lords, or when it eventually comes back to the Supreme Court, or when it ends up in the European Court of Human Rights, if they don't actually withdraw from that treaty 
Uh, there are so many different ways that this is going to go wrong, and it's, it, it, it will not be resolved this side of a general election. You, you talked about Robert Jenrick again, and Stephen Bush, who's a political journalist editor, I think, of the Financial Times, put it very well in recent days when he said, Robert Jenrick isn't, isn't that bothered about immigration from the rest of the world. The immigration that he is concerned about is that all of his pals, all of Jenrick's contemporaries, friends of Sunak, have ended up in high-profile positions in the cabinet, except for Richard, except for Jenrick. And so he is just positioning himself now for the post-Sunak world, as is Suella Braverman, as is Priti Patel, believe it or not, who is rumored to be seeking a comeback. Uh, we had stories over the weekend about cabinet ministers regretting the decision for, <laughs> to get rid of Boris Johnson. Uh, that one, that one was that one was predictable, I suppose. Well, there there was a story. There there is a story going around in London, and it has hit the headlines that what some of these people want is Boris back as leader of the Tory Party uh, before the next election, in the belief that having won a huge 80-seat majority in 2019, that he can do the trick again. The other figure in play here is Nigel Farage, who is out in the jungle, or was until last night. He has something now called the Reform Party to join, and he indeed could run also. And it was Farage who panicked the Tories in the first instance, uh, David Cameron in particular, into having the referendum, the Brexit referendum, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, Nigel Farage has possibly been the most consequential British politician yes. for, for decades in terms of the changes that he has managed to force on, on the British state, really, but particularly the, the Tory party. We wouldn't have had the Brexit referendum in the first place if it wasn't Cameron's fear for or fear of Nigel Farage. And again, this is pure gossip, but one of the pieces of gossip that I've picked up in recent days is that Liz Truss and Nigel Farage are meeting, um, when he's not in the jungle, meeting on a regular basis, and that there are rumours that... Uh, uh, what, of, about what that might mean. Could it be that Farage is going to join the Tory party? He's never ruled that out. Could yes. he be making a play also for Sunak's job, or at least a senior position in any future Tory opposition party, if not Tory, Tory government? Or could Liz Truss be thinking about defecting to the Reform Party? There are all these incredibly febrile rumours I've no idea whether they are based in fact, but this is the state of Westminster at the moment. The Tory party is in such chaos that we are listening to these kinds of stories. All of these different people are on manoeuvres trying to uh, essentially steer the direction of the Conservative Party in the post-Rishi Sunak era. And the critical thing there is, Eamon, is it going to lurch even more to the populist right or is it going to go back to being the, Tory, the One Nation Tory party? Is it going to become like the Republican Party in the United States? Yes, I mean, they have one person that you could say, and that's Cameron, who is now the new Minister for Foreign Affairs, which is a power, Foreign Secretary, which is a powerful position in British politics. He is a representative of what you'd call moderate Toryism, the very opposite to, for example, Suella Braverman or Nigel Farage, should he decide uh, to join the Tory party. But the, the question is this, 
If you look back through history, and I'm talking history, history, this is the most efficient vote-winning machine that's ever been seen in the Western world, isn't it? The Tory yeah. party at getting elected has really been brilliant. This is what it does better than anything else, better than governing even. That's right. But as you know also in terms of history, that at least since the 1970s, the uh, the European thing has bedeviled every single Tory leader, every single Tory prime minister. We know that John Major referred to them in particularly yes. colourful terms. And the bastards, he called them. Indeed, indeed. Yes. And uh, this issue, is it's still front and centre, um, and it's it's just recurring in a different way now in in terms of this debate over over immigration. And they, I, I agree with you, I don't think that they are capable now of going back to being this one-nation Tory party. I think that the next lurch will be to the populist right. And you know, Eamon, the incredible thing about this party that you rightly say has been a party that's been so good, so technically efficient at being a vote-gathering machine, is dwelling, focusing entirely on issues that really don't exercise the British people. The thing that exercises the British people the most is the gradual degradation of the British way of life via yes. these crazy debates in Westminster and horrible uh, expressions about delighting in flights to Rwanda. The yes. thing, if there's one thing that really, really exercises the British people, it was a statistic released by something called the Resolution Foundation. It's a think tank based in London, only last week, in which it's, it's a very simple one-line statement. Britain has seen no wage growth for 15 years while remaining the most unequal large economy in Europe. Yes. This is what stagnation looks like. And that, of course, means many things. It just it means the economy isn't working, things aren't getting done, the, the NHS is collapsing, the public sector is in trouble, the trains don't run on time, it's not just about strikes. They don't run. They don't run at all. Um, uh, I've had occasion to travel a lot on the railways recently, and do you know what? Under the rules, I'm getting my money back every time because of the cancellations and delays that I've faced. Right. And it's becoming a badge of pride for people in the UK about how, although we're traveling days later than we should, we're, we're traveling for free because the railways have to reimburse us our fares because of their dreadful performance. I could go on. The list of ways in which Britain doesn't work anymore grows longer every day, and it's a bit of a boiled frog syndrome, but people are increasingly noticing, and they know that it's got nothing to do with immigration. They know it's got everything to do with, at the very least, the last 13 years of incompetence. You talk about Johnson coming back because he was a vote winner. You've got to remember the context. It was a two-issue general election. It was yep. get Brexit done, and it was, don't elect Jeremy Corbyn. Yes. And, and of course, you wouldn't wish Jeremy Corbyn, with all due respects to him, he was never going to uh, become prime minister, was he? Um, no. And the, the British public are many things, but they're not so stupid that they would have elected him as, as prime minister. So, he, But Johnson, or whoever it is, cannot pull that trick again, by definition. Brexit right. is done for all it for all its consequences. And Jeremy Corbyn isn't even a member of the Labour Party anymore. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, you mentioned Donald Trump earlier in our conversation, Chris, and the precedent, if you like, he is setting for all the evidence of his, his 91 criminal charges to face. He is a fraudster so found by a court in New York. And the only question there is what the sentence will be. But the reemergence of Boris Johnson after giving testimony last week to the COVID inquiry, which he seemed to slither out of really by offering an apology, but he wasn't really put to the sword, I didn't think, the way some people thought he might be. And I want to ask you this, do you think there is an appetite for Johnson still in the way that there that appears to be for Trump, to the extent in Trump's case that he's favorite to be the next president of the United States, despite everything, including January 6th, when he attempted a coup. Is there a, an, a, an appetite for Johnson to save the Tory party? Because don't forget, well, you won't forget, but we should acknowledge that it's the members of the Tory party who gobble up this kind of stuff, uh, who decide. I think that there is a strong appetite in the parliamentary party now, as revealed by several unnamed comments to the, to the weekend newspapers. Clearly, there's a lot of them want to bring Boris back. If there was an open competition for the votes of the members of the Tory party, as you say, for the next leader, um, Boris Johnson would win hands down. I think that there is a huge appetite amongst those. Maybe it's seventy to 90,000 people. We're never quite yes. sure just how many card-carrying members of the Tory party there are. There aren't that many. The question you're really asking is how representative those two well, constituencies <laughs> are of the country at large. And I have to tell you, Eamon, certainly you're talking to the wrong person because I think that it's absolutely ridiculous, the idea that Boris Johnson would or could save the Tory party because for the reasons that I suggested, he can't pull the trick again. People are fed up with his antics. I don't think he covered himself in glory 
at the inquiry. The inquiry itself has been dismissed by most sensible observers as being faintly ridiculous in not yes. getting to the issues at hand as it, that actually occurred during COVID. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a simple graph that really should be uh, up there front and center at, at that inquiry, which is the number of deaths per capita as a result of COVID, yes. where Britain sits in the league tables. And you know where, where it sits, Eamon, don't you? It's yes, right, do. right at the top. Why did we have so many more people die than comparable countries? And nobody has even asked that question in any meaningful way. And until they do, that the, the, the relatives, the people, the people at large know this. And they know that this inquiry is performative, as so much of British politics is these days, and is not getting to the issue at hand. So my guess, for what it is worth, is that Boris Johnson would certainly get a few uh, Tory votes back. I dare say that there would be a small bounce in the opinion polls, but uh, they would go from you know, 22% behind to 19% behind if Boris Johnson became leader. That would be my, my prediction. He would be eviscerated just like any other leader is going to be eviscerated at the next general election. Just let me ask you a final question, Chris. As of today, who do you think will be the next leader of the Tory party? I'll give you my answer, my guess. It could be Robert Chenwick, who resigned spectacularly and is quite young, 41, and is apparently very capable. But I would put my money at the moment on Suella Braverman. Yeah, I can see exactly why you would say that, because I think that uh, Boris Johnson, could, because it's going to be the mem- if they unless they change the rules. He hasn't got a seat, you see, so it, they'd yeah. have to put him into the lords. How, can they pull that stroke again? Uh, maybe, but um, I, the one that I would see coming up on the outside is Grant Shapps. Really? Uh, yeah, and um, I think he, from a political point of view, he's much smarter than Sunak, and I think he's capable of trying to appeal to to all of these different factions. The problem with Suella Braverman is that I think that you would lose what is left of anything m- remotely resembling the centre right in the Tory Party. Um, it yes. would it, it would solidify. Every, in everybody's minds, the idea that this now is just another version of the Republican Party in, yes. in the United States. The difference between Trump and Johnson, which was your original question, is yes. that Trump does have mass appeal in the United States. Yes. You know, 40 to 50 percent of the country still say they, they would vote for him. I don't think Johnson has that kind of mass appeal right. anymore. And just a very last question. Is it conceivable, Chris, that we're looking at the the end of the Tory party. Yeah, definitely. I, if, if, they, if they do elect a Braverman-type figure to be their next leader, um, I think the Tory party is at grave risk of splitting, or at the very least, um, the, 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 the centre-right types that are still lurking around. There, there would be no place for a David Cameron, for example, in a party no. led by Suella Braverman. There's an awful lot of Tories in the House of Lords, for example, who would still consider themselves to be One Nation Tories, I don't think they would take the Tory whip anymore in a party led by Suella Braverman. I think it would be the last straw, and they would become really just a version of the Reform Party or UKIP or any of those other hard-right populist parties. We would have a mainstream 
hard-right populist party in, 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 in both name and in terms of the policies that it's, it espouses. And it remains to be seen, therefore, just how much appeal they would have to the electorate at large. I, I fervently hope that they rem remain a minority taste, but I also have to acknowledge that in the UK and in many countries, parties of the extreme yes. right mostly, but also of the extreme left in one or two places, this is, this is a, a, a gathering storm, isn't it, Eamon? It is, I'm afraid, and it's not confined to the UK. We shall see. Thank you very much, Chris, for that fascinating glimpse at what's happening to our neighbouring island, who, of course, control the northern part of this island and aren't doing it very well, including denying the people there a parliament of their own and an assembly, as it's called. We're very grateful, as we always are, to Chris Johns, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.